Welcome to the A to Z of Doctor Who. I'm Ian Martin and I'll be telling you all about the remarkable things from the history of Doctor Who which start with the letter Q and welcoming a special guest star to the show for a brand new feature. That's all coming up after the news from Radio Brentford. Former FBI director James Comey has sensationally leaked memos to the press indicating for the first time his suspicions that US President Donald Trump might be a Slitheen. His evidence is as yet uncorroborated, but he cites the President's unconvincing parody of human form appearance, being full of hot air, and knowing sod all about international politics as being areas which aroused his suspicions. The Conservative Member of Parliament, Harold Saxon, has finally broken his silence on the controversial Brexit vote, which has sent Great Britain all to hell on the world stage. I voted against leaving the European Union myself, Saxon told the BBC's Andrew Marr, going on to explain, I might be ruthless, unprincipled and utterly evil, but I'm not a f***ing idiot. Arsenal FC have today unveiled the replacement for recently departed coach Arsene Wenger. Davros, who joins from Real Scaro, has managed the Daleks since the mid-1970s, enjoying mixed fortunes during his decades in charge, most notably lifting the trophy in the Time War. Asked at a hastily assembled press conference at Emirates Stadium if he felt he was the right man to lead the North London club to Premier League success in the wake of Wenger's resignation, he replied, yes, on balance, yes, he would do it. Thank you very much. Uh, On with Q now. Q is for quarks. The quarks are a bit like the Daleks, if the Daleks looked unimaginably shit. A quark is what you'd get if a washing machine had sex with an ironing board. Sexy voices, though. When I was a kid and wanted to play Doctor Who with my toys in the days before Doctor Who action figures were a thing, I used to make Daleks by getting the grey tube from a toilet roll and sticking three cotton earbuds into it. One for the eye stalk, uh, put a little dot there with, with a pen. One for the plunger. And one more for the gun arm, that one with the the cotton bit snipped off. In my defence, I was nine years old and operating on a budget of precisely nothing. But my God, did those Daleks look more menacing than the quarks. Q is for quarry. One of the visual mainstays of Doctor Who is its unrelenting use of quarries in Dorset and Sussex to represent the uneven alien terrains of countless alien worlds across the universe. This initially strikes long-term fans as quite cheap and unimaginative. But look at the evidence we've got to support this. All the photos and footage we've seen of other planets backs up the BBC entirely. The surface of the moon? It's just some rocks. The sweeping red dust plains of Mars? Looks exactly like a British quarry. This is the reason why 1980s producer of Doctor Who, John Nathan Turner, was so determined, in his own words, to keep the show firmly on the rocks. Q is for Queen. Much is made of the experience of watching The Wizard of Oz with the sound turned off while listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon because it matches up perfectly. But did you know that you can watch 1985's Attack of the Cybermen with the sound turned right down while listening to Queen's A Night at the Opera. It doesn't match up or anything at all, 
uh, but you'll have a much better time of it. And it would be really funny if every time Colin Baker opened his mouth, Freddie Mercury went, Da-da! Q is for Queens of the Stone Age. A big Finnish Doctor Who adventure set in the year 10,000 BC, where the Doctor has to make peace between two warring tribes of savages, both of which are led by women, and both of whom have voices suspiciously like that of India Fisher, in stark contrast to all the other characters who are played by Nicholas Briggs. Q is for question mark collars. In season 18, John Nathan Turner decided the Doctor's look should be more in tune with current trends in cinema. It was 1981 and Superman was a big thing, so he commissioned a costume tweak to make Tom Baker's Doctor Who outfit somehow more evocative of superheroism, turning it into a potentially marketable outfit. Baker took one look at the resulting burgundy lycra onesie mask and cape ensemble and lost his shit. So the costume was hastily redesigned back in the direction of his Doctor's iconic long scarf and coat look. However, one new element survived, the two red question marks on the Doctor's shirt collar. I like to interpret them as being something the Doctor chose to wear to remind himself at all times to always ask questions, to be open-minded, curious and scientific, rather than to believe he'd started styling them out as part of a lurch into dangerous egomania and self-mythologising. The Doctor's collars carried those question marks up until the end of his seventh incarnation, or, in other words, until the end of 1989, at which point, after a full decade of service, someone, presumably Ace, bought the Galactic Hobo a different shirt, because it must have smelled a bit malty by that point. Q is for question mark umbrella. From 1987, the Doctor decided to up the stakes with the whole question mark thing and went for a new costume which, in addition to the question mark collars on the shirt, also featured a sleeveless jumper covered in row upon row of question marks and a bespoke black umbrella with a giant red question mark for a handle, just in case people weren't picking up on how much of an enigma he was. Look at me, he'd mumble whenever he passed a mirror. I'm so enigmatic and mysterious. He didn't even feel self-conscious rocking this look in front of his Time Lord peers, who must have regarded the Doctor's sartorial indulgences as the worst kind of adolescent self-publicism. You did not, after all, see the Rani wearing the earrings designed to look like tiny syringes to show the universe that she was all sciency. And it's not as if the Master's costume was festooned with little saturnine emojis or vote Thatcher rosettes to show the universe that he was a total and utter bastard. Q is for quite good. Doctor Who fans are a very black and white bunch. Things are either brilliant or terrible. And there's no room for the idea that some stories, actors or writers are just quite good. If there was room in the head of a fan for the category quite good, though, what would we see filed within? What, what would I suggest for this new category? Hmm. Hmm. The Peter Davison era. That was quite good. Scripts by Ian Briggs. The writing of Paul Cornell. The performances of Sarah Sutton and David Banks. The character options action figures. Some of Peter Capaldi's jackets. Uh, no, thinking about it, fandom is correct to have evolved the simple position of everything being either wonderful or appalling. 
No one ever votes Colin Baker as their seventh favourite doctor, do they? We are uh, embarrassingly a bit short of entries in the A to Z this time around, so to fill the time, I finally relented to pressure and invited the actor Paul Jericho back onto the podcast. He's keen to show off his new comedy routine. Uh, so I thought, yeah, why not? We'll, we'll get the cast on from the Five Doctors to do some stand-up. So uh, over to you, Paul. Yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I went to the butcher's shop and found she'd started storing the meats on all the very top shelves. I considered buying some dinner, but the stakes were too high. Is it possible to mistake schizophrenia for telepathy, I hear you ask? Life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't last long if you're fat. My father told me to invest my money in bonds, so I bought 100 copies of Goldfinger. My wife told me sex is better on holiday. That wasn't a nice postcard to receive. Sorry, Paul, I'm going to have to stop you there. Are we running out of time? No. Can I tell the one about the nun and the bus driver? No. <laughs>